Good morning, Whitewater. Glad you guys, whoa, you guys are awake. First service just kind of looked at me until we started dunking them and holding them under a little bit. Then it was good. Man, it's Baptism Sunday. I'm so excited. Today is a huge day for our church. You might be new here and maybe not even understand what baptisms are about. And, um, and I just, baptisms are incredible for our community because we're a community where you can belong before you believe. And so many of us have been on a journey of faith trying to learn, like, can I trust God? Do I want to give my life to God? Do I want to follow him? And then when you finally do and you believe, baptism is a public declaration to the world that I'm on Jesus' team. I'm following him. It's, it's, uh, it's disciples. It's people who have decided to become disciples, followers of Jesus. And so um, I'm just thrilled about this. And I know everybody's at a different point in their spiritual journey. And our goal is to help remove barriers and help point you to God, point you to Christ so that you can move forward step by step towards Jesus. And maybe a step of faith for you today, like a big step of faith for you, is just being here with a friend or being here with a family member. You might not have ever thought that you'd be in a building, you know, with other Christians doing this again, or maybe for the first time, coming and, and experiencing for yourself faith, experiencing for yourself. God, I'm so glad you're here. It's a big deal that you're here or that you brought a friend. Um, the, maybe, maybe today is a day where it's like, man, I'm ready to start trusting God and put my faith in him and start really kicking into gear and following him. Maybe it's a day where your step is, is baptism and, and actually being baptized. And, um, and I just want to encourage you, if you've been feeling God pushing you in that direction, today's the day you can do it. You don't have to wait. Um, and maybe, maybe you're sitting here and it's just like, like you are, have been weighed down by like all the worries and all the hardship going on in our world. And you just need an encouraging word. Can I just let you know, no matter where you're at, we want to help you move towards Jesus. And let's pray right now that he would help us with that. Father God, I just thank you for this time together. Would you move us toward you? If there are people coming in here with burdens on their shoulders because of all the hardship and all the horror that's going on in the world, um, from fires to hurricanes to um, to to you know just evil lord that we've experienced in the last two weeks seeing awful things happen and people are weary lord i pray that you would give them joy today encourage them today lift us up and give us a vision uh that that goes beyond these things help us to look through the hardship and the horrors of this world to the hope of christ help us to see hope for our futures today um fill us with faith and we pray these things in jesus name amen now, if you've been with us in this journey, you know that we're, we're really looking at the journey of God's people, that their story about following God in the Exodus story of leaving Egypt and going into the wilderness and following God and learning at every phase of their journey that God is there and then they're learning to follow and have a relationship with Him, that, that, that you know that, that that story is often our story. And, we, and we're studying it because I think it has profound implications for those of us who would become followers of Jesus or are already followers of Jesus. And last week we learned about Moses and, and, his, and, the, and the people of God when they came up against uh, the Amalekites and the armies and they had a battle. And every time that Moses' arms were up, what, what happened? They started winning. And any time his arms went down and they got tired, what happened? Started losing. And uh, 
Some of you guys, as you heard this story, it's a powerful story that you actually, um, he has two friends come and hold his arms up. And as they're holding his arms up, uh, as he gets tired, they keep him up and they win the battle. And it's this image that, uh, first of all, of Christ Jesus who put his arms out for us. When we couldn't hold our arms up anymore, God put his son in our place to put his arms up for us on the cross. So when we look to him, we can have forgiveness of sins. We can have a changed life. And that, that we have a God who stands there with arms outstretched for us. It's also a symbol that, 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 that your worship life, when you hold up your hands in prayer, you hold up your hands in worship and in faith, that, that you have an impact on other people's lives. That even if you're imperfect and your arms get tired, you need to keep your arms up. And in a world that's just hurting and broken, you've got to keep your arms up. And part of our job is holding other people's arms up. And God wins the battle on our behalf. Now, some of you guys might have taken me a little bit too literally. I could see some of you last week when the Seahawks played, being like, if we're going to win this battle, i got to keep my arms up. And just like that whole game, three hours, you know, having people feed you nachos and pizza, keeping your arms up, asking your buddies, hold my arms up. Well, I learned this at church the other day. I'm going to see if it works. At the end of the game, three hours into it, and the Seahawks win by one touchdown. You're like, yes, it worked. The Bible's true. <laughs> Well, God bless you. I'm glad you did. If you did that for a team that didn't win, you just, um, apparently your arms aren't good enough. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. Today we're jumping into Exodus 17 and continuing uh, this incredible story of the wilderness journey of God's people. In verse 1, we pick up, it says, The entire Israelite community, which is thousands of people who have been freed from Egypt where they were slaves, they were making bricks for the Egyptians, they were at the bottom uh, of the heap socially, um, they were these slaves, and they've been freed. The entire Israelite community left the wilderness of sin, moved, moving from one place to the next according to the Lord's command. That God, in a pillar of fire by night, a pillar of smoke by day, has been with them, leading them. God is present among his people. It's this incredible image that God is with his people, his community, and they go where he goes. It goes on to say they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. And so the people complained to Moses, give us water to drink. You ever been thirsty? Need some water? You guys have like just had that like I mean real thirst. Like you're like I'm I'm dying here. My daughter was at that point because we had made a trip to the zoo yesterday uh, in Tacoma, and she was at that point of just complete you know thirst. If she didn't get water, I'm pretty sure she was going to die. Because on their way back, she was like, "Daddy, I'm thirsty." I'm like, uh, we'll get you some water in a little bit. We're just a few minutes away from home. He's like, I'm going to die. I'm thirsty. My, my mom's in the car. Grandma was with us, and she was in the back, and I could see her brow furrowing like it used to when I was a child, saying, I'm thirsty. And my daughter was like, wouldn't, wouldn't give it up, and just got louder. I'm so thirsty. And then my mom leaned forward, because she was in the back, and she leaned forward and said, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming because I'm her son. And she goes, you know what my father used to say to me, Novella, when I was thirsty in the car? And uh, Novella looked at her, what? What did, what did great-grandpa say? And my mom said, he said, save up your saliva and then swallow it. And, and, and that's how you'll quench your thirst. My daughter had this look of horror and confusion. And she, she looked in the, in the mirror at me just like, what is this? This is crazy. And I was like, yeah, you just need to slay, save your saliva. It was so funny. My mom's like, yeah, just save it. And my daughter's like, no, no. And we finally got her some water and she was fine. 
Have you ever been thirsty? I think it's interesting, sometimes we don't realize this, but like in the, in the story of God and with his people, with the, the physical needs, the physical thirst is often connected to a spiritual need, a spiritual thirst. And in this story, we're seeing that God's people aren't happy. Like They're demanding that Moses provide for them. Why are you complaining to me, Moses replied to them. Why are you testing the Lord? Moses makes, makes it really clear. You're, you're complaining to me, but you're really testing God. Because underneath what you're, you're saying is, God, will you provide something for us? Will you give us what we need? Um, and, and here's the thing about their complaining. Their complaining made sense to everybody in the camp. Like, don't we have a right to have water? Like, don't you, don't we, Moses, we believe we all have a right to water. Don't you believe we have a right to water? Why, you know, why have you let us out here? Are you going to provide f- for us? And Moses is like, you're really complaining to the one who set you free. And the irony of this is that God is the God who was with them when they were in Egypt, heard their cry, and freed them through the water of the Red Sea. The God who parted the waters of the Red Sea, like the God who brought them through that, surely they can trust him to be the God who provides more water for them in the desert, Right? But they can't, and they're like, and they feel fully justified. Like, Moses, where's our water? We need it now. And and one of the hardest things when you're in the wilderness and you're on a journey with God is trusting that God will provide for you what you need when you need it. And it's so easy and it's so human for us, isn't it? To want what we want now and not want to wait. But when you live by faith, you learn that you're on God's time. That you move when he moves, you stay when he stays, and that he provides when he provides, and that we just have to trust him. But what are you talking about, George? We need this now. This is my right. I feel completely justified. And all the people of Israel, all the elders and families and leaders and kids and everybody was like, we are justified in our complaints. We are justified in our pushing and testing of God. The only person that sees that they aren't justified is their spiritual leader. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it so human to come and complain? Isn't it so human to like be focused so intently on my need and when I want it that we miss when we are being, we are having a lack of faith? This is a faith issue. This is a spiritual issue. It's not a physical issue. Every thirst, every thirst that comes to us, physical or spiritual, every thirst is an opportunity to either test God or to trust God. You might want to note, uh, make note of that. You can write this down. It's an opportunity to test God or trust God. In verse 3, after Moses has um, warned them, like, you're, you're testing the Lord, which if you, on the back of your notes there's actually this scripture. You might want to underline that in verse uh, to it says, why are you testing the Lord? That question is like the central question of this passage. Why are you testing him? Why are these people complaining and testing God who has proved himself over and over again? What is the problem? Verse 3, it says, but the people thirsted there for water and grumbled against Moses. So after Moses has said, "Don't you, your, your quarrel, your issue isn't with me, it's with God. Like, just calm down. They push back. 
We have a right. We're justified. Like, you don't even know Moses. And so they keep pushing their agenda. They keep grumbling and complaining as if that's highly spiritual. Like, well, it's on behalf of all these people who have needs. And so I'm, I'm righteous. Have you ever had a self-righteous complainer in your life? You're like, no. Hmm. If, the, if a friend of yours is here, like, have they ever been a self-righteous complainer? Sometimes, if we have, we've never noticed that, maybe we can fall in that camp. Have I ever been a self-righteous grumbler and complainer? But they, they thirsted there for water and grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you ever bring us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Everyone's mad. They're thirsty and they're like looking back to Egypt because whenever the thirst hits or the hunger hits uh, that need like there's this tendency for us to forget God and what he has done and turn to Egypt the place that enslaved them isn't it so interesting that they start looking back at Egypt well Egypt provide provided water for us and you've taken us out here where there's no water now we're following a God who apparently leads us through water but doesn't provide us the water that we need when we want it that's right little girl (laughs) ridiculous <laughs> when we turn back to Egypt, Egypt the place that enslaved us the place that represents our sin our darkness our addiction the thing that we were enslaved to when we turn back to that it's like my dog Bosley when he first met the ocean he just ran into the ocean and started lapping up all this salt water and we were like no Bosley stop and he's this kind of puppy you know little French bulldog creature and he's lapping up all this water and we're like no because the more salt water that he actually uh, uh, tried to quench his thirst with the more thirsty he got and he just kept drinking drinking we pull him out and then he he would he'd bring it all back up all this salt water would come up and you know what he'd do run right back into the water and try to drink water again. We're like, no, get the stick, not the water, and drink again and repeat, and then retch it up and then go back into the water. And we're just like, he's finally learned because it was, you know, he's had some experiences that weren't good. But isn't that so human, this pattern of like when we are struggling with faith and we don't have what we want from God when we want it and we've got this thirst that all of a sudden we turn to this like, Egypt to the salt water as if that's going to quench our thirst when it only makes us thirstier. It does not satisfy. It makes the thirst and the hunger even worse. Can I get an amen? amen? Why do we do that? Why do we test God? Why do we grumble? Why do we go back to Egypt? Why do we look back? Why do we go to the, the, the salt water that's just going to make us thirsty? I think we all have some thirst in life. It can be an addiction. I don't know what your Egypt is that you look back to to quench your thirst, but we all have it. We all look back to it. Let's see Moses' response. It says this, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? In a little while, they're going to stone me. He's like, These people are going to kill me. And the Lord answered Moses. Really quick before I move on. I love that everybody else is like complaining to their, the leader and like, why have you brought us out here and why? And like, they don't want to live by faith. They, they want the results of faith without actually having to have faith. Think about that for a second. They want the results of faith. They want the change and the provision of God and God's power without actually having to trust 
God and have faith in God? Is there anybody here that their thirst is driving them to Egypt, it's driving them to grumble, and you are wanting the results of faith without actually having to trust God? And Moses does the opposite. Rather than be like, yeah, what are you, what are you guys, you guys are totally right. Like, this is, come on, God, where have you been? Come on. He comes to God. Man, what should I do with these people? Like, I'm not going to be able to handle this. He knows that he needs guys. Like, what are we going to do? They're about to kill me. And I, I, I've come, I've, everything I've done has been for them. I've put my, my neck out over and over again. And they want to kill me, Lord. Like, what is the deal? Like, yeah, leadership is hard sometimes. Being a spiritual leader is hard sometimes. But the Lord, I love that he turned to God when he had that question. He didn't start moaning and complaining. It's like, Lord, Lord, what are we going to do? The Lord answered, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take the staff you stuck in the Nile with your hand that helped free um, Israel earlier in the story. And I'm going to stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. When you hit the rock with your staff, Water will come out of it and the people will drink. The people will drink. I wanted to make a few notes about the rock and God providing water. The first off, you know, Moses is tasked, like you're going to take your staff, the staff that I've done amazing things, powerful things, and you're going to go hit this rock and it's going to provide all this water. The first, my first question when I read this, my imagination sometimes gets carried away, I just wonder if Moses went and practiced on a few other rocks. He's like, all these people wanting to kill him, all these people complaining, and he's caught in the middle of it, and just go out, and just he's got his staff, I'm going to practice with this thing. He wants some water, wham, I'm going to give you some water. He wants some more water, wham, and then just hitting, bam, bam, you know, like Ken Griffey Jr., or, you know, someone who's just, you know, like whacking a mole, wham, wham, hitting that thing. And, you know, you can see, like, the people of Israel looking out, their leader, What's he doing? Oh, he's just having a quiet time with the Lord. <laughs> Bless his heart, you know. Wham! And then the elders are like, okay, it's time to do whatever God's asked you to do. Takes the elders out. Do you think he just like lightly tapped that rock? Do you think he just gave it a little like, ha? Or do you think he just, you know, really got wound up and just wham, hit that thing? Lord, you better do something, because if you don't, they're going to kill me like I'm hitting this thing. Wham! Hits it. And then water bursts forth. God provides for his people. How amazing is God that he is present? The first thing is that God is present with his people. If you were to read this passage, uh, the end of it, in verse 7, he, he does this in the side of the elders. He hits the rock. Water comes forth. People have water to drink. And he named that place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites complained, because they tested the Lord, because they said, is the Lord among us or not? They're all their whining, all their grumbling, um, all their thirst and looking back to Egypt. And uh, all of this is really this underlying question is, is God with me? And God's answer is, I'm with you. And God is so patient, isn't he? Do these people deserve patience? It could have been real easy for God to say, okay, send the big grumblers out and I'm, I'm going to take care of them in the wilderness. We're just going to get rid of these guys. No, he's so patient. And he provides the water that they need. He quenches their physical thirst, their actual need. But there's something deeper going on here um, that, that I, I just think is so important. Not only is God patient, has God been patient with you? Let me just ask you that. Has God been patient with you? 
When it's so easy and you just want to take that step and go hit something different than a rock, you know what I mean? You've got to remember that God is so patient with us. God doesn't say go hit people with the staff, hit the rock. The, the second, there's a second layer here, and there's a third, but I want to hit the second layer to what this rock symbolizes. I think there's a reason God had Moses go hit a rock. It doesn't make sense. Why is he doing the, hitting this rock? And then God makes water come from a rock. Like, water coming from a rock is impossible unless God does something miraculous. And what God is saying here is, see that rock? That's your heart to God's people. That rock is your heart. That rock that's hard, that rock that is resistant, that rock that's bitter, that rock that is immovable, that rock that you could never make water, living water, come from. That is your heart. And if you let me, I will break through. So living water can flow through it. So the spirit, my spirit can flow through it. So that you can have life. Like I can change you. What you could never change. This rock that's in your life, that's in your heart. That you couldn't do a thing about. Like you, you can't make any water come out of that thing. This hard heart that you have. I can change it. I can change it. They're thirsting in, for Egypt. They're going back to the salt water that just makes them more thirsty worshiping this other country and this other a master, Pharaoh. You guys know the story. They're running from Pharaoh. What was his problem? A hard what? Heart. God's saying that rock, that hard-heartedness, that the person and the people you are running from that have a hard heart, you have become them. You're just like Pharaoh. You have a hard heart. You're resistant you're grumbling. You're testing me instead of trusting me. You're questioning whether I'm present with you. Moses couldn't have done anything with that rock if God wasn't, it says in verse 6, that God says, I'm going to stand there in front of you on the rock. God was present, the same God that was present there at the rock that enabled Moses to see water flow forth, that was able to do a miracle, was the same God that led them through the Red Sea. It was the same God who freed them from, the, from, the, from slavery in Egypt. And he's the same God over and over who was present with them. And, and actually in, in um, Exodus, this 40 it teaches us in, in, in 38 it says for God for the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle the place of worship by day this is toward the end of a lot of their travels and th- there was a fire inside the cloud by night visible now now get this visible to the entire house of Israel throughout all the stages of their journey now, don't miss that underline that in your Bible in Exodus 40 that that God was visible to his people he was present to them in every stage of the journey and I don't know where you're at in your journey, but I, you got to know, are you looking for God? Well, I don't see God in you. Like maybe the grumbling and maybe the Egypt you've been turning to and the thirst that you've been like drinking all this salt water that's actually making you thirsty and more addicted to the addictions and the pattern of sin in your life has been ignoring the presence of God that's been there every stage of the journey. The fact that you might even be alive and breathing right now is probably a result of, of God being present with you. I get an amen. Isn't this true? I 
Hebrews 3.8 says, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Do not harden your heart. This is the New Testament looking back on this day saying, Man, don't be like Israel. Don't be like Israel. They've become like Pharaoh. They're, they, they, they're drinking salt water that's never going to last. They're looking back to Egypt. They're grumbling to God. They want to kill their leader. They, I mean, they're, just, they're, they're so ugly. They've got a hard heart. And some of you guys have hard hearts today. Some of you guys might have good reason. You've been hurt by somebody. Some of you guys have just been like wounded. You've been carrying this wound for so long that it is like, it has turned your heart into a fossil. And you're protecting yourself, but that protection layer has created this, this stone in your, like right in the center of your being and like, like nothing can reach you and relationships aren't healthy and you're not healthy because you've got this like rock in the middle of your life. Like that's your heart. And, 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 and I'm, I'm telling you, God is the only one that can break that. God is the only one. I mean, it, it, some of you guys might be here and like, yeah, you're right. I do have a hard heart. I'm pissed about this thing in my life. And, and you need a miracle. Some of you guys have hard hearts because you don't even believe that God can change you. You don't believe that he has the power, that he has the ability, that like maybe God isn't even real. I don't even know if he can do this. And the hard-heartedness is from all the doubt and all the frustration and all the anger and all the bitterness. And you just got to let it go and say, God, would you, would you break through to me? Would you break my heart? Would you bring living water to me? Would you change me? Some of you guys have been around for a long time. You people of faith, and you've turned that faith off because of over time. It's just you're like, man, I, I've just kind of given up. I'm tired, and you need God to come do a miracle. Some of you guys, you've got so much sin and so much stuff you're ashamed of. That you're like, I don't. I've done all this stuff in the darkness. I just don't know. I don't know if God can forgive me. And you have to, you, what you need to do is take what you've put in the darkness and done in the darkness and bring it in the light and say, God, do a miracle with me. Like, do a miracle today with me. It didn't take a month. It didn't take years for, for God to just, boom, break that thing open and bring water through it. Bring water in, 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 through a rock, which is impossible. That shouldn't happen. And so many, so many of us want to see, like, these physical miracles of God that we ignore the bigger miracles of the human heart. That God can change you. That God can free you. The third layer to this is that Jesus is the rock that God provides living water through. And in Jesus' day, there, there was a, a, a celebration. It was a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and they, had a, uh, they, they would remember the provision of God in this festival in this feast, they would remember the provision of God back in the Exodus journey, this journey we're studying, when God provided for them in the wilderness over and over. And they had this um, specific ceremony where they remembered the miracle of God bringing water through this rock. And in that festival, remembering the story that we're covering today, Jesus stood up and he said this, if anyone is thirsty... Like the, the hard-hearted Israelites, the hard-hearted people of God. If anyone is thirsty, let him or her come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as Scripture said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within them. The rock is Christ Jesus. And he was struck and he bled out so that we could receive the grace and goodness of God. 
Not only do we have hard hearts, but God, He let His Son get struck down so that we could have life. 1 Corinthians 10 says they all ate the same spiritual food. This is looking back at the, at the people of Israel. And they all drank the spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that, flowed, uh, that followed them, and that rock was who? Christ Jesus. Let's stop testing God and start trusting God. I wonder what might be hardening your heart these days. Is it bitterness? Like, is it just frustration? Is it just grumbling? Just an attitude of complaint? Attitude of frustration? What would it take for God to do a miracle, for you to let God do a miracle and and break through, break that heart of stone and bring the, the, the living water of his spirit, of his love and his grace? Jesus says this in John 6. He says, no one who who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. God will take care of our physical and relational thirsts, but he also takes care of our eternal thirst. Only he has water that gives us eternal life. And it's through his son Jesus who died on the cross, his blood flowing out so that we could have life. I want to give you an opportunity. If you're... If you need Jesus in your life, and you're like, man, I, I need that, or I need, to, I need to turn back to him. I, I've had a hard heart. God, would you break into my life? Would you give me a soft heart? I don't want to be like Pharaoh. I don't want to be like the children of Israel here. I want to have a soft heart and turn to you. Would you just pray this prayer with me? Would you bow your heads? And this is for you who... Maybe you've, you've had faith, and you've just turned it off, and your heart has got hard. Maybe you've... You're new to faith, but you just ran away from God. And you're like, I don't know if I can come back. You can come back. You can always come back. God is so patient. Maybe the first time, this is a first time prayer of faith, asking God to forgive and change you and bring new life. Would you, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Father God, thank you for providing Jesus the rock of living water, of eternal life. God, would you, would you break open my heart so that your spirit can flow through, so that eternal life can flow in, and that blessing and love and the power of your spirit can flow out of my life? Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and being the rock that was struck down, that bled out for me so that I could have life. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you free me for a new life to follow you? I give you my life the best I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you keep your heads bowed just for a second? I just want to know this as, a pa- as your pastor. How many of you guys have made a step of faith, a step of commitment to Christ in the last few weeks in the journey? Would you mind just uh, letting me know by raising your hand? And, um, would, you just, would you just put your hand up so I can see if you've made that decision, a decision? Thank you. God bless you. If you wouldn't mind just writing that on a connection card today, I want to, I want to get back to you and and serve you, and help you follow Christ. Go ahead and put your heads up and look, look at me. Could we give a hand for those people that made decisions to follow Christ? Today's a special day. Today is a day where we can not only commit our lives, the inward aspect of our life, say, God, I'm following you, and receive eternal life from him, but we can declare our faith publicly. 
You don't have to wait years to get baptized and get your life perfect and just right. Um, In fact, this is an important thing. You might want to write this down. The same God who quenches our thirst with water is the same God who frees us through water. In Exodus, uh, it says Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the people of Israel had Egypt bearing down on them, Pharaoh bearing down on them, it says the Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind that turned uh, that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with waters like a wall on their left and on their right. And that day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians. Leaving Egypt through the Red Sea is an act of salvation of God. And, and it is the symbol, like in the New Testament, it's where we get the symbol of baptism. That when you and I trust in God and we make a commitment to follow Him with our life, as imperfect as we are and as much patience as we need from Him and as much grumbling and hard-heartedness that we might struggle with in our life, that God has broken through to our heart and living water now flows through. That is, an, that is a salvation act and the symbolism of crossing through the Red Sea for the Christian is baptism. That Now we, we are changed. We are new in him. In fact, the New Testament says in 1 Corinthians, it says, now I, I, I do not want you to be unaware or ignorant brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under a cloud, all p- passed through the sea. He's talking about the Exodus. He's talking about leaving Egypt. And all were baptized into Moses and in the cloud and in and through the sea. That the symbol of our salvation is baptism. The reminder of who we are is our baptism. We are a baptism freedom people. The water that quenches our thirst is, is the same water that, that God uses to free us, to cleanse us. This is the last verse I want to read to you guys about this. And Acts, when, when there's people who hear about their hard hearts, and it says that they're pierced to their heart in Acts 2. They're pierced to the heart. They're, they're the cracks that God is breaking through. They say to Peter and, and the rest of the apostles have t- who have told them about Jesus, they say, brothers, what should we do in response to God's love and His grace and the living water that flows from Jesus? Peter replied, repent of your sins and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that will flow out of you. Friends, baptism is a symbol of freedom. And, and it's this, this is the symbol. Baptism in this, is the symbol of freedom from death. When they couldn't save themselves from the Egyptians, God freed them from death, certain death. God has freed us from death. God has used baptism as a symbol of freedom from slavery. It's freedom from the slavery to sin. Baptism is a symbol of freedom um, from sin itself, that you can be forgiven, that you can be cleansed, that you can be made white as snow, and you don't have to be defined by what you were, but who you are becoming in Christ. Baptism is a symbol of freedom to walk with God, that we have His Spirit, that we walk with Him. We don't have to live the old life. We don't have to always look back to Egypt, but we can live a life of faith, walking with God. And finally, baptism is a symbol of freedom to become a blessing to the world, that God uses our lives for the purposes of blessing the world around us. So friends, what would you keep what would you let keep you from identifying with Jesus who put his arms out wide, bled out for you and I was the rock of our salvation. 
If you've been feeling God tugging at your soul, at your heart, today is the day of baptism. We've got shirts and we've got sandals up here. We've got shorts. Here they are. They're pretty short, but they'll work for you. You can get baptized. We got, like, what is this? Makeup remover for any of the men who are needing that to get baptized today. Or anybody. You, you can have makeup remover. Uh, we got hair ties. We got everything. Don't let anything get in your way. If you've had a hard heart, let it God soften it. Come to Him and be baptized. You don't have to wait years. You can be baptized today. Amen? So if that's you and you're ready to be baptized today, and you weren't ready, but now you are, you're like, man, God, I'm feeling this. Just go to the back and walk um, down the hall, and there's a kitchen that they can get you all this stuff that you need and be baptized today. Um, there's people in the back that will guide you back there. Don't wait. Don't, don't put it off. Get baptized. If God's tugging your heart, it's good to let him win. Amen? So let's sing this song as we get ready for baptism. Baptism.